Welcome, this is the Collective Nightmares Podcast. I'm Marshall. And I'm Laura. And horror films are our collective nightmares. We just saw Assassination Nation. I'll read the IMDb synopsis. After a malicious data hack exposes the secrets of the perpetually American town of Salem, chaos descends and four girls must fight to survive while coping with the hack themselves. Written and directed by Sam Levinson. My first question is, I want to see if Sam is a, what, what, what their gender is. Sam Levinson appears to be a man. Yeah. Interesting. I find that very interesting. I noticed in the credits, it was interesting that the written and directed by and then the producers for like the first five sets of there were a thousand producers were all men. Yeah. But then I, there were some women toward the end. I also noticed that. I also noticed that. Yeah. There's 25 producer, 23 producer credits on IMDb, which seems like a lot. I also want to look. Hari Neff stars as Bex. And I want to know... Bex is a trans character. And I was curious if the actor was also identified. Whoever it is, they did a fantastic job. I was just curious. Neff is a transgender woman and is known for speaking about trans issues. Well, right on, Hari. H-A-R-I. Hari Neff. And our characters are Lily, Bex, Sarah, M. Principal Terrell. I pushed hard for this film. It was a stretch to fit it in. Laura made that happen, which I appreciate. Appreciate. I, I'm thrilled. I'm super happy we saw it in the theater. I appreciate that we bought two tickets that count towards the film. I thought it was great. Thoroughly enjoyed it. I appreciated the messages even if occasionally heavy-handed. They're totally my kind of (laughs) heavy-handed. And I just thought it was great. I just said it was really a fun, good time. Particularly right now when we're recording this, we we continue to sink in the mire of rape-prone culture, U.S. rape culture and, and toxic masculinity and... Kavanaugh's FBI investigation, quote-unquote, supposedly finishes today. And Trump mocked Ford openly at a rally yesterday. And Kavanaugh's probably going to get confirmed in the Supreme Court anyway. And in the midst of all that, this movie for me was just like a deep, calming breath where I was just... I can actually... Just sink in and enjoy, I don't know, whatever it was for a little while. And uh, I thought it was great. I loved it. <laughs> I agree. I thought it was it was wonderful. I'm so glad that you motivated to see it. I It, it was excellent to the point that... Well, I, I won't say that we won't have a lot to talk about because I think we still will. But I'm at a loss of how to begin because it was just... Yeah, it was it was great. I'm surprised that there weren't more women involved in making it. 
I, I find that just interesting. I wanted there to be. And I don't know how much, I, I think that would be an interesting point of conversation, just how much that matters or doesn't matter in terms of the message because it was done so well. I'm, I'm tempted to say it was just, it was an exactly perfect version of what it was trying to be. It did an amazing job. It just it knocked it out of the park. Oh, I'm happy to hear that. I, I couldn't, I mean, I didn't know. I was engrossed in the film, so I wasn't paying attention to you, but we disagree a, a fair amount on, on films. Yeah, it was. It was what it was trying to be. I also, I mean, my first thought was who, who made it? Was it women who made it? And for me, I, for those who don't know, I'm interested. I have a, I have screenplays that I have written to be feminist. I've shot short films that are intentionally supposed to be feminist. I identify as a man. And so I very much have a personal stake in believing that men can produce feminist work and do so effectively and without condescension or trivializing or, you know, in other ways, mucking things up. And so on that side, I'm, I'm happy to see that the Sam Levinson was, was able to effectively write and direct a film that I thought handled almost everything really well in terms of gender and sexuality. And at the same time, there's always that counter of it would be nice to see women in prominent positions in the, in the creation of it, because it's important to have that feminism uh, happen behind the camera as well as in front of the camera. And like you said, I looked too. he apparently wrote and directed and then, like you said, the first at least five producers were men. It was like the first fifteen. Yeah, I feel like. might or have been, maybe yeah. not quite. Maybe there was like one woman in there, but right there were some more women toward the end. Executive producers. There were a few women. Casting was women. There's that's been acknowledged as casting is not as powerful a position, and it's it's been a position that more women have gotten into. But there's concerns about that because it's. Uh, it's it's just not the upper echelons of producer, ex- executive producer, editor, I think was a man. But it did star and feature four women, including a woman of color and a trans woman. I think my only critique of representation, uh, not my only, my primary would be everybody was still like he- hegemonic attractive thin super thin you know particular fine features and the woman of color her character i mean it, it, it was interesting because her character was m and then there was another character sarah who neither but so neither of them really had a great character arc bex and lily the two primary i were really, I would say, the key characters who both certainly appear white. And that's my only critique. Those are my only critiques, I think, in terms of, I mean, we'll see what comes up, but in terms of gender and sexuality, in the meantime, the narrative was feminist. We had proactive women characters. We had characters with depth. We had characters who 
were complicated and who made surprising choices. So, yeah. I I have like three different directions I might want to go with the conversation right now. And on any of those fronts, I I feel a little bit of a hesitation because it was just so good that I kind of want to sit in that rather than... Yeah, let's sit in the good. Like, I don't want to take time. I I was hoping to get the critiques out of the Mm -hmm. way. So let's go into the good. Like, that's all I've got. No, I think I want to start with the critique. Okay, that's all I got. Or that's... But I at least want to acknowledge that it was... It was just so good. It was so not only just enjoyable to be there for, but it's kind of like you said, it's just feeling like you were in the company of people who agree with you ideologically and in terms of like morality and what the world should be like. And there were so many threads going on that were just so right on that it's just very comfortable to sit in that and to sort of relax into it, to feel like the voice that's directing this thing that you're experiencing, you can trust. That was just really, really good. But I want to lead with a, not a critique exactly, but a, a question, I guess, that kept coming up. And this is something I would certainly direct at your screenplay also. And so maybe it's a good question to ask of you. It's interesting to be watching a film that is both making points that are really important in terms of empowering women, in terms of like challenging social stereotypes and representations of women and And yet, at the same time, so much of the... If you were to just look at the film, not for the message that was being delivered, but just at what are you actually experiencing, it relied so heavily on sexuality and... and I guess I would say objectifying women. I mean, in the sense that you're you're watching... There's a lot of nudity, there's a lot of violence, there's a lot of... All of the things that would sort of trigger that... Almost the instinct that the film is reacting against a little bit. There's so much of it in the film, which is both interesting and at the same time, I'm not sure, off-putting or not. Maybe that's part of the message also, but it's like, it's like you're, I'm sure part of what made it enjoyable is that it was a little bit of a carnival of nudity and violence and sexuality. And, and that's, and they did it in such a just artistically good way that it was aesthetically pleasing and it was, it was just fun. But there was also a lot of nudity and a lot of boobs and a lot of, like, just a lot of... I don't know exactly how to put that, right? But if you if you just broke it down in terms of screen time, for, like, what you were actually watching and looking at, I don't know if that goes against or actually dovetails with the message of the film, which I think is a critique of your screenplay as well. My first thought is, that's great. It's a great question. And my second thought is, there wasn't any nudity. I feel like we're in ghost land where like you saw a bunch of violence and there wasn't actually violence in the film. You're like, there's horrid, just, you know, rampant nudity. And I'm like, there was no nudity. There was no nudity. There was no nudity in the sense of there were no nipples. There was no ass. There was illusion and suggestion. And I actually (laughs) thought they took great pains to obscure in a variety of ways what was being filmed, particularly with the phones at these party scenes. And like when she went in to take the the sexy selfie, we see her take her shoulder straps off of her tank top. So we know what she's doing, but we don't ever, we aren't ever in the position. We don't ever see the actual shot, except with the principal when he's dressed in drag which was actually kind of interesting because then we see 
a man dressed in essentially the same clothing that we see women. I agree, they were wearing revealing clothing, but revealing clothing is not nudity. <laughs> it's like, I guess you're right. But I sort of feel like I was watching pornography for the whole time. And Or is that just like how people dress? <laughs> Am I just sounding like old or something? I, well, I mean, the one girl's like butt was hanging out the whole time. and But I mean, I guess maybe people do that. I feel like I saw a lot of nudity. I guess you're right. If I'm trying to picture, like, when. There was no nudity. There I was... feel like I was looking at really pretty teenage girls the entire time, which I guess I was, but, like, in a very sexual way. But now that you say that, I think you're right. And that's weird. So is that a good thing or a bad thing? That's just weird. For me, the much more interesting question is, is it a good thing or if it's a bad thing? Because I, that is, I mean, I teach on at CU Boulder that shorts with your the bottom of your ass hanging out, shirts without you no know, bra underneath, or that is not unusual dress. And I don't know how I feel about that. Because I, on one hand, if that's how young women want to dress, that's fantastic. I thought about that during the movie. You know, who am I to say what you can and can't wear? Do whatever the hell you want to do. However, and I think this is what it comes down to is... Okay, here's a great sociological moment. And I'll have to dig up... Maybe I can actually dig up the clip. But Kilborn in her film, Killing Us Softly 4, she's made four of them. And they're classics in terms of how women are objectified and dehumanized in advertising in particular. She's been doing it for literally four decades. As girls learn from a very early age that their sexualized behavior and appearance are often rewarded by society, they learn to sexualize themselves, to see themselves as objects. They're encouraged to see this as their own choice, as a declaration of empowerment, to reframe presenting oneself in the most cliched and stereotypical way possible as a kind of liberation. You have the right to remain sexy, but what this really is saying is the right to be an object, to be passive, to have your sexuality defined in a rigid, shallow, limiting, and cliched way. When the culture offers girls and women only one way to be sexy, it can hardly be considered an authentic choice to choose it. Advertisers always find ways to turn any movement for radical change into just another way to push a product. Some of the ads in my collection from years ago co-opted and trivialized the women's movement. Relax and enjoy the revolution. This is an ad for flavored douches. <laughs> so you're out to change the world, we can do it together. And this is an ad for shoe polish. Most notorious of all, of course, was the Virginia Slims campaign with the slogan, you've come a long way, baby. And what we learned is that women who smoke like men die like men. Feminism as individual self-expression is more likely to sell baubles and Botox than it is to do what we set out to do so many years ago, which is to change the world. Now, I want to be very clear that there is nothing wrong with wanting to be attractive and sexy. Just about everybody wants this. What's wrong is that this is emphasized for girls and women at incredibly young ages to the exclusion of other important qualities and aspects. Being hot becomes the most important measure of success. Echo Denim. Hot girls make great clothes. 
It's the hottest thing to ever come out of Taco Bell. Elsa Benitez is hot. And this extremely superficial and limited definition of sexiness makes most women feel insecure and vulnerable and much less sexy. In 2007, the American Psychological Association released a report concluding that girls exposed to sexualized images from a young age are more prone to three of the most common mental health problems for girls and women, depression, eating disorders, and low self-esteem. In spite of all the graphic sexual messages in the media that urge girls and young women to be hot and sexy, there's still a powerful double standard with very different rules and consequences for females and males. Girls are constantly told by the popular culture that they should be sexy but innocent, experienced but virginal. As many of us know, this is tricky. And in the most recent one, she talks about how this feminist, independent, challenging stereotypes for young women has been co-opted and commodified such that it seems like we are telling women, you should not wear a bra and you should wear less shorter shorts and, and less clothes. And you're doing that as a feminist because you're doing it to demonstrate that you are free to do what you want and express your sexuality, except it's been co-opted in the sense that there's no corresponding political progress associated with that. It is merely do it in a way that shows your body without actually having the, the social change uh, expression about it. And then on top of that, it's one of those, isn't it interesting how the way that you're supposed to quote unquote express your femi feminism is precisely in line with what young heterosexual men would want you to do, which is dress in less clothing and be more sexually adventurous or whatever. And, and so when you ask, when you say, I feel like I was just, I was watching pornography, even though they didn't actually have nudity, I feel like so much of I feel like so much of what youth culture for women has become is to be pornographic without actually being nude. And that to me is deeply unsettling. Even though I watch pornography. <laughs> but pornography, when it's pornography, you know it's pornography. It's actually, okay, the woman understands that she is participating in pornography she's being paid for that whereas if you're if you're a young woman out in society and you're thinking i'm gonna not wear a bra and i'm gonna wear a you know threadbare t-shirt and i'm gonna wear super short shorts and whatever else and people are experiencing you as as how do i look at you without sexualizing you or 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 objectifying you and and we're going to pretend that that's not the dynamic that to me gets really insidious and creepy. And that's not to say that necessarily, you know, Lily in the movie made the argument just because a woman is naked doesn't mean it's necessarily sexual. You are the ones who are sexualizing her. Except I think that, I don't know. It's so bizarre to me because I feel like women are sexualizing themselves. And, and I, I mean, I don't I mean, this is really difficult for me to say, 
super short shorts. Uh, God, I'll probably have to cut this, but I'll say it for you. I happen to notice, woman is sitting there, she has pierced nipples. She's wearing a shirt that is tight enough that I can like clearly see that. No bra. Okay. And what am I supposed to do with that? Like, is it, it, so does that argument still hold up if she was says, well, me having pierced nipples and wearing a shirt that obviously lets you see that isn't me sexualizing myself. If you see that and you think that that's sexual, well, that's you being a creep. Doesn't there, isn't there some line there where, and I'm, it's fine if she's sexualizing herself and she's letting other people see her as sexual, that's all fine. But I do think it's interesting when we, as a culture, do that and then we still deny women expression of other sexual desire. So the only way that they get to express themselves is by sexualizing their body, displaying it, and displaying it in ways that are conveniently in attuned to what young, uh, what het men, how they would sexualize them anyway. Or that was a big long rant, and you seem like you have thoughts. No, I, I, I have more questions than I do answers on this. Can I just say, it's interesting that the film brought up the fact that women don't get oral get to receive oral sex at nearly the level that men do, and it's this big deal if some if a young woman wants to receive oral sex and guys just assume it and expect it, and it's just part of life that they can demand. Or don't even have to demand. It just is expected and that's understood. And there was this discussion and there was like, it was a significant, it was a notable topic in the film. That's fantastic. So so women expressing or saying that they have sexual desires and they have deserved sexual pleasure too. Not just we are going to, and we're not just going to, women, young women are not going to display and adorn their bodies in ways that conveniently would seem to align with what young het men want and not also get some sort of sexual pleasure and some additional agency in sex and some additional respect for consent in sex. That to me seems really problematic. So the fact that the film brought it up, that's fantastic. I don't know if we ever got to a resolution in the film. I'm trying to remember now, but it was confusing because I felt like he actually, I think he did then go down on her, like after she brought it up, which made me. And she didn't just wonder, bring it up. Right. It was like introduced and talked about and it was like, I'm going to break up with him. It was like right. last resort. But then I thought it was strange that he just did it as soon as that was a discussion because it wasn't clear that he was like hesitant to or didn't want to. And that he, the sort of societal imbalance wasn't clear in their dynamic. Like, I feel like when he finally did it. I don't know, like, oh, he realized she wanted that, and okay, he did, and he was really upset by the fact that she was talking to her girlfriends about it, and they made sort of a comparison, like, oh, well, of course you'd be talking to your guy friends, or... So, it almost felt like it was trying to bring out her wanting it as something that should be assumed or obvious or whatever, but that he didn't get, but it didn't seem like his hesitation to do it wasn't... They didn't address that part of the issue like, they didn't clearly establish that she had asked for it and he hadn't the, been he, willing? I didn't prior. think it was clear whether he knew that she wanted it. And then as soon as he did, it's like he did it, so... Well, he did it after he verbally abused her and made her cry and... 
Right, but then... But like, threatened her physically and loomed over her and... Yeah, I don't... Right, but what he gave her a hard time about was, like, talking to her friends about their sexual experience or complaining about him or, you know, something. Which just seemed off top. If the message was meant to be men are reluctant to do this, I would like to have seen him be actually reluctant versus... It, I don't know. I just felt like that dynamic looked a little bit like he... It, it was more trying to make the point that she would want it, which seems like a little bit of a different argument. I mean, I took that as he only did it after... I, 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 did, I took it as he was only willing to do it after he was publicly essentially shamed into doing it. And he further only did it after he was publicly shamed into doing it, so he wasn't actually interested in doing it for her pleasure. He was interested in doing it to make sure that he wouldn't be criticized as someone who didn't do that again. And it felt more like he was concerned about that criticism because that was an issue with whether or not he was like an appropriate guy or a decent boyfriend, even though he was a terrible person. (laughs) And I guess further on that, again, the way that he was verbally acidic to her and, and physically, I took it as physically threatening. And then after all of that, he was like, okay, well... I guess I will give you go down on you, give you head or whatever. I'm like, you don't get credit for that, dude. <laughs> like after all that, if that's what it takes, just shut the fuck up. And, and I mean, I appreciate what you're saying. I think the film could have been clearer that she had expressed directly to him and he had declined rather than, which I think you're saying is it seemed like it was implied or she had implied to him that he was interested or that was understood amongst her friends, but maybe he didn't understand that. And then, so it, she hadn't directly communicated to him before this point, and already that situation was really problematic and and intense, and all these other things were going on. And so, at that point, him giving her head was kind of a it's confusing. I, I will grant you there was some confusion it, there. Than it needed to be. Yeah, if I will grant a, you that. An argument that they were trying to make. I think they could have, they could have hit it better. Because um, then making it an issue about like her talking to her friends or whatever was just unnecessary side thing. That then yes, his behavior around that was terrible. So that shows you. But again, sort of in a roundabout way, yeah. it lets you piece together that argument. And I think it could have been clearer if if it hadn't come about like that. I do agree with that. All right, I would like to go back to whether or not or how we feel about the fact that you felt like you watched a bunch of nudity and objectification of young women, even though you didn't. It reminded me a little bit, though, of the beginning of Revenge and the way that the yeah. woman was treated in that and what she was wearing and how she was acting. That's technically, it's not nudity, but that wasn't nudity either, right? I don't think it was. No, it wasn't. Um, She's eating a lollipop, and she's dancing around, and you're watching her butt bounce, and whatever. It just felt like that. It felt like it was part of what you were supposed to be enjoying by watching the movie, was watching these women's bodies. And, And I guess you're right, they weren't naked. But they were either eating lollipops or taking sexy photos that you kind of saw and sticking their hands down their throat. And it certainly felt very sexual. It felt very entertainment sexual you know what i mean like the whole thing was 
I thought, just shot to evoke that. And then there was so much of that in other ways, too, and not even ways that are necessarily problematic. The music and the, like, the just the flow of it. It was, the whole thing was entertaining in that kind of way. And I do feel like some of what carried the mood of the film was the sexuality. And that's, the sexuality and the violence. And that's interesting in the context of an argument that, I don't know, might... I feel like the instincts that it was tapping into, you know, like the the sort of, oh, that's going to make me interested, make me want to watch it. I like that. It's like somebody going and gambling or something, you know, whatever it is, that thing that triggers in your brain, like that felt, it felt like it was trying to hit that from a bunch of different angles, whether they be sexual, whether, whether they even have, you know, political or moral ramifications or less so. It just felt like it was triggering that a lot of ways through the whole movie. And so to use sexuality in that way in a movie that's critiquing sexuality is... I, I don't know. I just kept wondering if that's okay. I vacillated between thinking it's either actually not just okay, but it's like helpful. Like it's a useful thing to include in a critique of itself to thinking, oh, no, no, it's just actually it's the exact opposite. It's like they're benefiting from the. Sa- it's the same thing you're talking about. Like, like they're benefiting from this idea that, oh, we're going to make this lofty argument. But here, why don't you just look really pretty and kind of turn me on while you do it? I, I, I don't know. I don't either. And I, I, I have to say too, the fact that the fact that we as a society are still, and as a discipline, I, I will just say sociology has ultimately failed young women in our culture in figuring out what they are going through, how they're dealing with what sexuality has become in the age of self-objectification and and video of everything and this expectation, like you said, that they be, they present themselves as these very sexual creatures while, while also denying that they ever can be. And I mean, we just don't do that research that I, I, that I know of. There's been a select few who have taken that on sexting by Deborah Tolman is the classic person sexting by Amy Hasanoff is fantastic and really makes a case that sexting for for young women is not a whole lot different than why every everybody else in America <laughs> sex it can be exciting it can be titillating and it can be uh a part of a healthy sexual relationship and it can um, be a safe sort of sexual teasing. And primarily when we flip out about as a culture, we flip out and react about sexting. It's when young women do it. And all of a sudden then it's horrible and it's not okay. And it's pornographic and it's pornographying themselves. And we overlook the fact that it's not really the sexting initially that is the what leads to so many problems for young women it is the fact that those images non-consensually get shared which that is maybe that is another critique i have is the woman who there's a cheerleader and her friend in the film and the cheerleader has apparently shared scott her friend's phone and shared her friend's nudes with the cheerleader shared her friend's nudes with the cheerleader's boyfriend. 
And the cheerleader's friend then takes a bat and hits her upside the head with it. And my issue with that was, okay, yeah, your friend shouldn't have done that. And she has culpability too, but it's the boyfriend who shared it with everyone. She shared it with one person and said, you shouldn't share this with anyone. Cheerleader had also broken trust, but why is she the the target of the backlash? Why didn't we have the the friend go take a baseball bat to the cheerleader's boyfriend instead of the cheerleader? And and so that sort of women on women was, I thought, problematic. And I was worried that's how it was going to go. So I guess I do have another critique, but... That whole, the whole general thing, I don't really have a great answer for you, Laura. I think about it a lot. I think about it because I see it or I get a sense that it's going on, but I don't think anybody really knows what's going on. And I would love to know from like a 18 year old young woman, what they think of all this, what they think of how, what they think of the expectations out in society and what they think of a film like this. Cause I definitely don't know. And I, and like you said, I worry that, Oh, am I just getting uptight? Am I doing the, like kids are so much crazier these days than we were. And I don't want to do that. Except, except it's, it's just funny. It's like they're the hip in the hippies Woodstock. People just walked around flat out naked. So now if we go to a, a music festival and there's women walking around, young women walking around in pasties and a thong, which is a fairly standard outfit at, maybe not fairly standard, but it's not an unusual outfit at electronic music festival. Who's to say that that's, I, you know, I just don't want to say it's inappropriate. I, I just, the sense I have is that it's not, it's either only temporarily empowering or it's a false empowerment, or it's an empowerment that is so constrained as to be... It's an empowerment that's so constrained as to be just even more insidiously exploitative. Yeah, I... Get off my lawn! (laughs) 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 I just, I don't want to, I don't know, I don't want to demonize these women. I don't want to tell them, like, you don't know what you're, how to express your sexuality. But I worry so much about it, particularly because we're in a social climate where we apparently as a culture still don't really want to acknowledge the fact that young women are sexually assaulted, sexually harassed, sexually abused everywhere, all the time, and nobody really cares. At least half the country does not care. And we used to be able to tell ourselves half the country doesn't care because they don't know. Now what we know is that half the country knows and they still don't care. They just don't care. But what are you supposed to do as a young woman? Are you supposed to cover yourself up? That's not... I'm not advocating that either. But it's still like... It's still... It is still, and all this stuff that I'm thinking about, don't get me wrong, my issue is still that we are looking at women, and I would like to know women's experience because I want to know what they're going through. I still blame men. It's still men's problem. It's still men's issue. Women should be able to wear that, whatever the hell they want. They should be able to go to a music festival naked and not have any issues and have a good time. If that's what they want to do, that's great. My concern is the fact that I feel like they're being encouraged to do that in a culture where that concomitant freedom and liberation and treatment and of with respect and 
affirmative verbal consent for whatever it is, is, is non-existent. I think you said that perfectly. And I, I think that's exactly, that exactly captures my feelings about it too, that it's, I did have the advantage of I've thought about this for like at least a year and a half. (laughs) (laughs) So if you didn't put that all together just for the movie in like 10 minutes, you know. I feel like it was all floating around in there, but I think you just got it out perfectly. It it just, it feels like you have to look at who benefits, you know, it sounds like an old Agatha Christie murder mystery or something. It's just, it's hard to watch that sort of thing and not, for me, not to go to, it seems convenient (laughs) that that's what men would like to see and that that's what empowerment looks like that argument the argument that that is being empowered is a little bit hard to swallow because like i said it seems very convenient that it happens to just align with what i feel like men would want um so i'm tempted to have similar critiques that you are and and at the same time say all the same things you're saying like i that's not to say people shouldn't be able to define for themselves what empowerment means, but I find it fishy when their definition of empowerment aligns with what society would say. I have a different topic if we want to kind of... Well, like I'll take your kudos and yeah. just leave it there. I feel like <laughs> if I keep talking, I'll muck it up. All right. <laughs> I thought the film did a really, really good job of capturing the duality or something of the experience of being a young woman finding sexuality, also really trying to connect with people, that that came up in in every instance, at least with Lily. I feel like they gave us a really good window into her motivations behind doing some of these things, and I could relate to all of them, and I feel like I had been through all of them. And that, I just think it, it, for the small amount of screen time that that had, it did that very effectively in that, you know, overplaying the, her um, audio about like the, her boyfriend and what he he, you know, he's the first person who had said that he loved me and that, you know, he missed me. And she, you know, all of that stuff was so effective to be done over top of him yelling at her and then seeing the tear run down her cheek, why that would be so traumatic for her. And when she described the situation with the older man and, you know, I can think of similar experiences to all of that. And, and I don't know if that's from being a young woman or just from being a person, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure men experience that as well. The idea of wanting to reach out and connect with somebody and, connecting romantically, sexually, it's all kind of the same thing and it's all very strong and it's all, it feels like real human connection. And that when that's, when that trust is broken, that's very traumatic. And it's especially traumatic. I think when you're young and you don't, you maybe haven't been a little bit jaded or you haven't, you don't, you don't even know what normal is or where the boundaries should be or what you're just trying to figure all that out. And so in the context of the the emotions that you have around wanting to trust somebody and wanting to share that with somebody and, you know, even little transgressions, like I, I can't think in my own experience of, of things that have happened that were as extreme as what she experienced. And even so, I could relate to every emotion that she put forth in that way, that it's just very, it's just difficult. And on the one hand, to be, you know, to be ostracized or called a whore or whatever that she was having to go through and her motivations behind all that, I think were incredibly human, incredibly normal. And they weren't, they weren't somehow pathological. You know, she was trying to figure out how to really connect with someone and and not to say that, that you have to use sexuality for that, but I think sexuality is a part of that. I think in a healthy way, it's a part of that, like connecting with someone sexually and romantically. And, you know, that's a, a real 
way of being engaged with another person. And so I think trying to, when that first, when that first becomes a part of your life, trying to figure out what that means and how to do that well is, is difficult. And, and I liked the fact that she, when she was texting, um, what's his name? Daddy. <laughs> she said, one of the last texts that she sent back to him was, I miss you. And then he closed his blinds. And that felt again, very like she's really trying to reach out through sexuality. And I don't even think in a particularly problematic way that she was. I mean, she was doing some things that were a little ill-advised, I guess, but largely, you know, I think it was fairly, it was on the spectrum of normal. And so it felt very human. And I appreciated that they did that because it, it made how much she got ostracized later and the pain that she had to go through so much more impactful when you realize that she was really just going through a normal experience of growing up and trying to figure that stuff out. I, I appreciate all that. I would say that some men may have those experiences, but I, I think it would be a false equivalence to say that most young men have similar experiences along those lines of how sexuality operates and trying to connect as young women and everything I know about everything, <laughs> everything I know as, as, as a scholar of sexuality would say that those things operate. I'm not very differently for men, for young men and young women. Sexuality operates very differently for young men, and young women, especially when we're talking about it, it connecting socially with people and, and learning that how to, how to incorporate some sort of, if not intimacy, at least some, some like physical and sexual pleasure. And I'm not saying it's healthy for men. It's definitely not healthy for men either in a lot of ways, but again, it would be a false equivalence to say that it's that it, that it to, to say that it is, it is the same for men and women. And if for no other reason, then men by virtue of men's privilege are simply not faced with the scrutiny and the labeling and the social stigma of of sexuality and the way women are whether they have it or they don't i mean yes i'm sure young men get teased and harassed for being virgins still or or you know mostly they're threatened with the label of being gay but that is not it's not it's not the same frequency or amplitude as as the social stigma that women face as slut i mean the, there's like joking memes on the internet about how you're you're either a, a slut a prude a bitch or all three as a young woman it's that's like cliche to say that and i say that in classes and the young women in my as who are 18 19 years old they they laugh with like the laughter of wow how true that is and that's where I say we as a society have ultimately failed these young women because that's the cliche discussion of young women's experience. And we don't do anything to address it other than tell them not to sext and try and give them a dress code when they go to school. Whatever. All right. I'm getting, I'm definitely soapboxing this episode. <laughs> I want to talk about Bex, our trans character, our trans woman character, and one, just the fact that we saw a sex scene with a trans woman and a man of color. He was Hispanic, I think, maybe. I think they said he was Latino. Yeah, yeah I think he said it. I was like, oh, God, did I just assume <laughs> I would look bad. That in and of itself in a Hollywood film, I think, is 
I don't know. I trans visibility is so minimal and it, and it wasn't, it wasn't rape and it wasn't idealized. So it wasn't a trope sexual experience. It was complicated. I don't think either I took it as, I don't think either one of them really understood. They knew they wanted to, but they both had reservations about doing it. And yes, Bex ended up shedding a tear as well or crying as, as well as when Lily cried and there were problems, but with whoever he was, I don't remember his name. Uh, whoever he was, it was that Bex slept with said, you, you know, don't tell anyone, but was, but was, it, it was just a really, I felt forthright. If I, I don't know if I want to say realistic, but at least not just a trope, some sort of extreme, like I said, either a, an assault or this super idealized experience. I thought that was fantastic. And then the the big character arc for me with Bex was when the white het man principal who is exposed as being a crossdresser and also probably interested in men, right? In, in sexual encounters with men. So also maybe gay or queer, or whatever. And he kills himself. And Bex's response to that is people like me, we are ostracized. We commit suicide in greater numbers every day. Somebody like the mayor doesn't care about us. Why should I care about him? And they have this really powerful, I thought, interesting discussion about you can disagree with someone. You can even, you can profoundly disagree with someone. You can really dislike someone. You could still appreciate the fact that him committing suicide is sad. Him have some empathy there. And then at the end of the film, when Bex is uh, going to be strung up, hung literally for for being trans essentially and the person that she slept with actually steps in at the last moment and stops or tries to stop the the hanging from happening and they shoot it out and then the ringleader of this hanging Bex has the opportunity to kill him which is for me that would be the if Bex were still feeling like she felt with regard to the principal at the end of the film, she would have killed the white het jock toxic masculinity character. And she doesn't. So she has found this way to, even though he was literally going to kill her in a horrible, brutal way minutes before. And so she had found a way to have compassion for or maybe not compassion, but something that would keep her from killing him to, I guess, not sink to his level. And I, I just thought that was a fantastic character arc. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was compelling. And then if we want to get into, I'll give you a moment or see what you have to say, but then I would love to talk about, I would love to talk about what the characters represent as a like as part of the character continuum thing i, I thought bex was a fantastic character so i'm not sure where to start i in the sex scene at the beginning with them i wasn't sure then i don't know if i should have known that bex was a trans character i thought maybe oh. and so did you just know were we supposed to know i was unsure and i was therefore unsure when they were having the sex scene if if the person that she was having sex with knew and 
Then when it ended a little bit sort of awkwardly, maybe not abnormally so for what was going on anyway, I wasn't sure if that was like a surprise to him or not, or it, it, how much that played into that, um, which clouded my view of it a little bit. And so later on, it seemed like everybody knew, and, and I changed my perception of that a little bit and thought like, oh, okay, he knew, and he was, you know, that's what he was trying to do. I would like to have known that sooner because that actually, that influenced my read on that a little bit. And I also was a little unwilling to let him off the hook at the end. Like, yes, he stepped in, he like started to hang her. And then he's like, oh, wait, I can't. <laughs> and and that's better than hanging someone, certainly. And I at least appreciated, although it was a laugh line and it was funny, and I, I at least appreciated that Beck said at the end, like, thanks for not murdering me. Because he almost did, like he started to. And then his conscience took over, which is not to say, I mean, that's certainly better than not, but I don't know how much credit he necessarily gets for going along with it. I just, I don't want to let him off the hook totally for that. And I didn't want her to, and I was glad that it didn't feel like she totally did exactly. Like, I didn't want him to be like, oh, look, the the one oppressor who has a little compassion. Oh my gosh, you're such a wonderful person. Like, that didn't seem right. And I felt like, in general... To the extent this is an allegory for society, like society should do more than be like, I'm 80% going to lynch you. Okay, maybe you're human. I'll walk away. <laughs> like that wasn't quite good enough. And not to say that it should have been different in the film. Maybe that's part of the message that they were saying, but I didn't necessarily get that they were critiquing his action as much. And I didn't want him to be somehow then the good guy because I don't think he was quite the good guy. I don't think he was quite the good guy either. And I'm sorry if I gave the impression that I thought he was totally off the hook or... He was, he was no hero by any stretch. Yes, you're right. He you, you don't get a prize for just doing what you should have done in the first place. And Bex absolutely nailed that line of a, the, just the kind of a question <laughs> yeah. and kind of like, we also both understand that you were an asshole right here, right? And the guy's like, kind of like yeah, you know... And I think another movie would have had them like kiss or something, you know, or like it would have been more made more okay, and it wasn't. I I did appreciate that, and I thought her facial expression really helped. Like that was just a very important line to deliver, right? And I think she did. Oh yeah, yeah. I it was just fantastic. And I kind of thought at the end, her walking away too, and not killing the guy, the the ringleader of that whole thing. I don't know what it was meant to represent, really. They didn't give us a clear message exactly on that. I would like to have had a clearer message from them just because that was such a crucial point for her character that I would like to know what the people making the film meant for us to take away from it. I would like there to be less ambiguity there. But it felt to me a little bit like it might just be pointless. Why? You know, if, if you when you harm someone else, you, you carry a burden of that with you in some form. I mean, if it's n nothing other than having to think about it later, like you carry some kind of burden. And why would you take that on yourself if you don't have to, you know, like what's this going to accomplish? And realistically, what you might accomplish, I mean, who knows, honestly, if this is a larger philosophical question about life that probably could have its own movie all about it. But, you know, by, by showing compassion towards someone who didn't show compassion toward you, do you accomplish more potentially in terms of changing the world or, or fighting that ideology than you would by just killing that? You could wipe out one speck of the bad ideology and just make it be gone, or you could try to change it, 
you know, and hope that that somehow permeates in the world in a positive way. And so I appreciated that, that she just walked away. And I don't know if that's the right decision. He might turn right around and be a terrible asshole later, uh, or he might not. At least she didn't have to carry the burden of having done something. Not that it wouldn't have been justified, but at the same time, why put yourself in that position if you don't have to? I probably mapped my, I don't know. Yeah, I just took it as, as whereas before she was adamant about not empathizing with someone in that position, here she could at least enough not to kill, but I, I kill him. I, and I agree with you, though, that, that it, there could also be a piece there of, there could be other pieces going on for sure, many of which you said, I think, very well. But the mayor had something else to empathize with. I mean, the mayor had a really, a story that I think one could empathize, empathize with a lot more easily than, than the guy that she didn't kill. Let's break that out. Because they say, I mean, she, her diatribe at the end is explicitly, and this I think is important, widespread within society that for I'm not including you in this group, but generally speaking, when I hear liberals and progressives talk, often we lose the sight. I was thinking about this literally today with Trump, with the with the supposed Russian pee, peeing on him, hookers. The reason that that is important, because I think that if you were a Puritan right-winger, you would think that that's problematic because you don't like quote unquote deviant sex and whatever the reason that, and, and I think they can look at progressives and say, well, you're a hypocrite because you're all worried about sexuality. And so you're worried about this. Why are you worried about that? I thought you were supposed to be the sexual free people. And what is missing is that the piece of that that's crucial is one that that could be used to blackmail Trump. It's not the act itself, but two, the piece that's crucial is that Trump and Pence are the are people who advocate against that right, it is the hypocrisy, hypocrisy yeah. not the not the act itself and so she says that lily says that in her diatribe of the the lack of empathy for the mayor is because as a mayor he represents the the puritan family values they literally say that right wing white religious middle class trump wing of politics in the world of the film and so and I, I mean, her diatribe was right on was if you have problems with these issues and you yourselves, which we see time and time again, can't live up to your own standards, that doesn't give you license to blow up at the rest of the world and start tearing things down and attacking people and everything else. It's you are the ones who are setting this agenda. And if you you can't follow it, but you won't tear it down. You've made your own fucking bed. I have no empathy for them. <laughs> I have no empathy for them either. I have little empathy for them. I, I guess I try to have some empathy just so I can understand, but that was really important. And then the fact that... So then I guess the interesting piece for me was that he killed himself because nobody else does. Does anybody but, else? Okay, so... Can I... Let me yeah, please. First. Yeah. first of all, yes, I agree with everything you're saying. Secondly... I know what argument I want to make, and then I'm, I'm actually, I'm, I'll just, I'm going to make it, and then I'll question myself halfway through it here. Um, 
the part that I think was really empathy inducing for his character was when he was standing in the hallway before the press conference and he leans against the wall and he says, why did you do it? Why did you do it? Why did you do it? And what I took that to mean was why did he engage in all these behaviors that he got caught for? Not why did he have those values? I think that there's a, an extent to which people who ascribe to that viewpoint on the world beat themselves up as well. That it's not just being a hypocrite to the, everybody else. Like, well, I'm going to go do it and enjoy it. And you can, you know, you're a terrible person if you do. That he also thought he was a terrible person, yet he wanted it. Yet he didn't know how to accept that about himself, that he might want something that he had grown up with in this framework of thinking that this was wrong. And so I, I actually want to say that he was being true to himself in both of those instances, that he really believed that it was wrong and he really wanted to do it. And he really judged himself probably as harshly as he was judging other people for doing it. Maybe not entirely, but that's what felt like it evoked empathy in me when he was standing there having to face basically his own his own critique coming from everybody in the audience. And that's what he couldn't handle because he actually felt that way about himself as well. Like he, he thought it was wrong so much that he thought he was a terrible person. And that makes it sad because it means he bought into that, that he bought into that societal argument so much that it's not just that he's trying to like punish everybody else while he gets to do whatever he wants. He probably, I thought in watching that scene, probably kept himself up at night thinking the same terrible things about himself. And it's, it's sad it's sad when you've been fed messages that tell you that you should deny your inherent selfness. There are cases where I think what people want is actually so harmful to other people that you, you do maybe need to do that. You know, I mean, there are lines to be drawn where you don't just get to do anything you want. And, and so that's a tricky thing to say, well, where do you draw that line? And different people have different ideas on what's right and what's wrong. And, but I would say that there are certainly segments of society that draw that line so far down the spectrum where there's plenty of stuff over here that you can do and you can be and you can live a fulfilling life and you cannot harm anybody and you can actually be okay. And it's sad that, that all of those things get put in the basket of wrong because then people who fall into that would land there on their own end up believing that there's something terribly wrong with them. And and maybe even fight harder to stop that in society because they're fighting that battle with themselves every day. And, you know, that just felt very, it felt like he was a victim of that same ideology that he was espousing. And that's not, that doesn't get him off the hook, but at the same time, it, it does a little bit, I think, because I, I don't think he was, I don't entirely see it as being hypocritical in his case. I think there are plenty of people where it is, but I, I don't entirely see it as being hypocritical because I got the impression that he was judging himself too. Um, and that that's what he couldn't stand, and that's why he killed himself. Yeah, I I love that point. It, it's I appreciate you emphasizing that. So I, but I don't know that that changes. So are we just to, to, are we just debating the, or is that is the issue there, whether or not it's technically hypocrisy? Because regardless of what whether or not he feels that way about himself, it that's all well and good if he does that and he grew up with all that and he thinks that and he struggles with it and blah 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 it's a whole different thing when he becomes part of a political process that's going to institute that for other people and that's where you lose me like i do appreciate what you're saying and and actually i think you've made a great case for having a little bit more of a empathy for him but all of that could be true and he could not be a mayor that then advocated for that yeah I agree with you. 
I guess I just, I at least think he may have stood behind it to the, to the point that he was willing to actually go so far as to kill himself for his own desire in that direction. And again, that doesn't make him, that doesn't make it okay to tell other people what to do, but I prefer it if someone's going to tell other people what to do, if they really honestly believe that that's right. It doesn't make it, you still, in general, as a societal argument, I think shouldn't be telling other people what to do um, unless it's harmful to right. other, you know, and so you need to draw right. that line appropriately. Um, okay. No, I appreciate that. So if, if I can reiterate to make sure I understand, you're saying that because he believes that these are the rules and the rules include not having sex with other men, not dressing up as women, when he was caught, when he was caught, since he has now broken the rules, According to his own rules, he should be punished, and his punishment is suicide. So he has punished himself for breaking his own rules, and in that way, he is not hypocritical. Yeah, or not as much. You know, it's not quite as bad as someone who would do that sort of thing and not not critique themselves for it and just want to get away with it or just want to. I don't know. See, I'm tell gonna, everybody else what to do. <laughs> this is why I'm a more. I want to say petulant, but that's not the right word. This is why I'm a less forgiving person than you are. Because <laughs> I'm still going to come back and I'm going to say that that's all well and good, but he didn't do any of that until he got fucking caught. He didn't have some internal, like, crisis of morality where he realized that he had broken his own rules and therefore he, like, in, need, in order to not be hypocritical, he should punish himself. He was doing all this shit and having a whatever, however conflicted he was, he wasn't so conflicted that he wasn't doing it. And that was all well and good until he got caught. And that, for me, really chips away at the key key parts of your argument. I, I sort of agree with you. <laughs> but I will say, just in the moment when his head was against the wall and he was saying, why did you do it? I kind of believed that he probably kept himself up some nights worrying about the exact same thing. And it wasn't enough to stop him from doing it, but still. Which makes you, in the pool scene... It makes you Sarah and me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it does. <laughs> me, Bex. <laughs> but the him. other guy... I have no empathy for him. <laughs> the ringleader guy, I at least... I didn't feel that depth of empathy for because I didn't see any reason to believe that he even cared about being anything other than asserting his own dominance. Right. And I'm going to... Because there's something I can pick on you for, I'm going to pick on you for it because it makes me feel better about myself. And that instinct, I have less... Yeah. empathy for and I didn't see any reason to to challenge that whereas like I said with the mayor I at least I saw little bits of like oh I, I there might be places where I can see the humanity in this and feel empathy for it well I like your idea that Bex I don't know if I'm expanding on your idea of this just was what you were saying and I didn't fully get it I love the idea that you're saying that Bex is not doing it because she's not going to it, it, she's essentially not going to use the oppressor's tool to dismantle the, the oppressor's house, which is, I think it's Audrey Lord. The ma- you know, you can't, what is it? You can't use the master's tools to dismantle the master's house. And so the v- violence and murdering someone that you don't like is in this case, the, the master, the oppressor's tools. And so Bex's for probably maybe her own selfish reasons of, I just don't want to, interact on their in their mode so i'm not going to kill him and i don't know what that's going to do like you said he could turn around and be a terrible person again tomorrow but she hasn't then compromised her own 
morality or her whatever her own values or her own state of being whatever it is yeah that's really great i like it and i took it more that way because i felt more empathy at least for the mayor whereas this person this other person i didn't really feel any empathy for so it seemed to be less a growth of empathy and more to me a a statement of oh i I would have thought you would have liked it because it was like the pacifist i mean maybe but the pacifist (laughs) is different than empathy well, it is, but Bex definitely took the pacifist position right there. Yeah, 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 but I guess that's what I'm saying. I would argue, sure, maybe that it was it was a vote toward pacifism, but not a v- vote toward increased empathy, necessarily. Oh, oh, okay, I'm with you. That's interesting. Pacifism doesn't say, like, love the aggressor, but it would say it's not worth... It's not worth having more bloodshed. Right. On another note, Lily's diatribe at the end, I felt like the whole movie was written, so (laughs) she could give that diatribe, which is totally something I would like to do, totally something I have done, and then I think you've told me, like, look, now you're just ranting at the audience. (laughs) You need to to somehow integrate it into the story or dial it back or something, and I wonder if you felt that it was overdone. I, I thought of you consistently throughout the movie <laughs> from start to finish. I thought of you the entire way. And I think they did a spectacular job of not doing that throughout the entire movie. Up to the diatribe? Yes, or, up, to, yeah. up to the diatribe. But then I was sort of okay with the diatribe because it was clearly a voiceover. Here's our point. It was like already mostly at the end. You already kind of got that anyway. I was actually okay with that. I think it was it was much better to me than trying to work it into the dialogue or working it into little scenes or, you know, spattering it throughout. Just, okay, you want to put it in here. (laughs) And I I think they did a great job of getting those points across. I mean, certainly I got all those points, although we're also people who like to think about these things. And so, but when the diatribe came on, I was like, check, 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 check. (laughs) Yes, this is exactly the structure that you just put in my head from having me watch this movie it was almost nice in a way for them to just run through them one at a time in like outline form so that okay just to be sure we're on the same page like cool that was everything you meant to present that's all i got like we're good um that was all right but also you have to think there are probably a lot of people watching this that don't spend their time thinking the way we do necessarily so maybe it's good to have it there just to be explicit for anybody who needs it to be explicit and the whole movie didn't feel that way and so it was like 30 seconds of it yeah. It was okay. And I really did appreciate it being at the end because it didn't then like taint the mood of the whole film. You didn't feel like you were being preached at. Right. Well, that's interesting to know. What'd you think about the series of trigger warnings as the intro? I feel like that fe- that's the same argument as what I felt like was all the naked women that I guess weren't naked, but I don't know. It's like using that as a sensationalist, almost laugh line kind of thing fit the vibe of gratuitous nudity-ish whatever that was that I was watching (laughs) that made me feel like I was watching porn for two hours um I couldn't I I felt exactly the same way I don't know if I'm okay with it think it was terribly offensive or was effective in making its argument I don't know but I could find myself possibly agreeing with all of those something I questioned it at least I'll say what did you think Wait, I got, it's it's this, it's like, it's just like all the butts and stuff (laughs) were like floating around through the whole movie, like in big letters, like we're going to show you transphobia and you know, 
Uh-huh. Bullying. <laughs> Violence. Yeah, that's sort of the... Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's something about making that flashy in an appealing sort of way. I just can't help but think of like Chuck E. Cheese or going to a casino. Like it just, it felt like the whole movie was trying to trigger that in you. And so using, th- those are things that problematically trigger that in people. As in somebody would get a really big high off of saying something homophobic because it makes them feel good about themselves and they like, you know, and so the fact that people would get a high off that and then you use it in a way that is used to evoke a very similar high off people, but you're trying to make a message that that's wrong. But then how much, especially with the sexuality stuff, that's certainly to some extent you're doing exactly the same thing you're arguing against because you are probably turning the men on a little bit and legitimately evoking that kind of high and so do you do can you do that while at the same time saying that you're making a message against it i i very much appreciate what you said that's kind of what i was thinking was just because you put a trigger warning in front of something doesn't then necessarily make it okay for you to do that engage that trigger and I don't think that was a legitimate, I think that was a funny trigger warning. Uh, yeah, I agree with like, you. It, was a, it, it felt like a gratuitous, uh, what else did you say? Some, it's splashy. Something, yeah, casino about it. Something salesy about it. Yeah. It's not a word, but what is the word? Maybe just say so you said something like uh, sensational. No, you already said that. Sensational. No, gratuitous, sensationalizing. Although there was something that you said about how it was structured and then how the film was structured and paced in general. The pacing and the structure of the film could have been meant to reflect the sort of frenetic experience that at least upper middle class white teenagers or upper middle class teenagers broadly are experiencing of everything is so fragmented and everything is so multiple. It's so distracted so multitask even though people can't multitask as well as they think they can and everything is so split reality of of phone reality and the rest of reality that it was it was meant to evoke that sort of experience and i don't know if that necessarily makes it better i think the pacing and the structure was interesting and i first started thinking that when they were doing the triptych the three panel divisions of the screen and having just done this little short film, I was like, holy something, the planning it took <laughs> to, to organize that and divide that all out and transition it. And I was just like, but it was interesting too. But the fact that they overlaid the text messages dead center on the screen of, or uh, on the, frame of the film I thought was interesting because it's not you know a subtitle is just that it's of it is of less significance and it's meant to not interfere with the visuals and the reality of the film this was in your reality that's along that lines of structuring in the same way of in your reality all of a sudden you just have this boom this other piece of information and from multiple people sometimes which was actually really effective yeah, and then you're watching, okay, I'm watching what's going on. Here's these texts coming in. Who is that? What are they saying? Who? And that does, like, fragment and, and just split things up in ways that are not necessarily problematic, but 
I think it's interesting to, to maybe argue that that's more of the sort of reality that young people like the ones featured in the film are experiencing. And we also should at least probably try and understand that or think about it or something. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> uh, unlike Summer of 84, even though there are a few critiques, I loved it. Oh, and I just, I just want to make explicit that I thought it was interesting that, and I don't think it was, uh, I don't think it was accidental that it was a white mayor, religious mayor, right wing mayor who killed himself. And there's black man b- bore the burden of it, the principal, and then all these girls. And like the only man who, the, those are the only men who suffered consequences, really, right? Principal or the mayor who killed himself, principal who, may or may not have been forced out didn't seem like he was willing he was still and it didn't really it seemed like he was a victim and she even says he is literally a victim here he didn't really do anything wrong he's got pictures of his kid in a tub fucking give me a fucking break and then joel McHale, who's who is daddy whose wife and kid left him but compared to none of the other men faced consequences right the boy who was the hacker is apparently going oh, to jail yeah. for life. Who was also looked like a person of color? I that was of... the little brother, wasn't it? Oh, no. Was I wasn't talking the little brother. The guy who got blamed and, like, oh, waterboarded. Oh. Yeah, no, no. I was thinking of Lily's brother. Oh, okay. And we haven't even talked about that. I, there's one other thing I totally want to at least throw in there. Maybe it's just one sentence. Maybe it doesn't need discussion. But I really appreciated how they shot the mob mentality, public outcry, hypocrisy that they were getting at. And they didn't use the word hypocrisy until the diatribe. And I thought that was just incredibly effective. The When the mayor came up to the stage and you see the audience, but you don't really see them, you're focused on his experience and you just see this this mass of hate coming from people. And they did that with the principal and they did that just in general and with all the masks on people. And you, you felt you felt the anger, like the, the societally sanctioned anger for doing exactly the same stuff that basically everybody's doing. Like all people got outed for, like people got outed, I guess, in the movie for living their actual life. And for the most part, people weren't doing things that were terrible. They were just doing things that were human and everybody was doing things that, that other people could pick on from things that were like potentially somewhat problematic to like, not problematic at all, like having the picture of your kid in the tub. And and it almost didn't matter how problematic they were when, when, the, when that societal drive to ostracize and to take things that everybody is doing and demonize them and, and, you know, bring somebody else out as the villain, when that got triggered, society just leapt on it. And they leapt on it with equal vigor, it seemed, whether it was something that was actually problematic or not really problematic. If there was just a reason to, like, jump on somebody, anybody, for anything, even though I think the movie really did make the argument that everybody was engaging in certainly something that could fall under the category of, look, if everybody knew all of your stuff, people would find things to hate you for. And they would demonize you, not because you're a terrible person, but just because they can, and because people like to demonize other people, and particularly like to demonize other people for things that we've decided are wrong, yet everybody does them anyway, and just nobody wants to get caught. They did that really effectively. I completely agree with you about the how the, those scenes were shot. I agree with everything else other than I'd like to confirm that you think that everything that 
was stigmatized that people reacted about was related to sexuality. Yeah, I guess it was, wasn't it? I was trying to think and I was like, yes, 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 yes. I just want to make sure that I guess it was with you when I was thinking like things that were some things that were sort of problematic. I I was thinking of like the what's his name? Uh, The guy from community. Joel McCoy. Yeah, that he was, you know, his wife comes in and he says, oh, I love you more. And yet he's, you know, and not to say that that instinct is wrong, but like there's something there's something not right about the the dynamic that he's holding in his life there to say, I kind of want this. I also want this. I am going to try to keep both and I'm going to have like emotional entanglements and people that are trusting me in various ways that then I can't uphold. And it wasn't. It was still sexuality. It it was was sexuality, yes. But I think it was was beyond just being attracted to something or, you know, like the mayor seemed to me more, I don't know, I guess that's not true because everything else that surrounds his his political ideology. So maybe that's not really true. Well, they were upset. It was sexuality, yeah. So that's Ruben's fallacy misplaced scale. What's that? Gail Rubin, in her article, Thinking Sex, made the argument that sexuality is treated with an excessive burden of mm-hmm. significance in U.S. culture, that it is the it is the thing that we attach excessive meaning to, considerably more significance than we do really any other topic. I got two things. The, uh, while we're talking about technical aspects or technical work, the... How they shot the sequence in the house where they kept this camera outside the house and just moved it around and watched. I mean, I don't know. I can't imagine that that was actually a single take. I would have to imagine that in that camera movement between windows, maybe they did a seamless edit. But regardless, that was impressive. And if they did do that as a single take, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, it was like it was like a minute and a half, two minutes long. Here's the girls. We're going to follow her downstairs. Then we're going to come back up. We're going to watch the guy crawl, creep around the patio. And then we're going to see the guy in the window. And then we're going to... I mean, it was like... I was like, holy cow. Like, how... If if that was a single take, it was incredible. It's the best single take I've seen since Dessens. And then we got to see Carrie. They specifically mentioned Carrie on the basketball court, which is where Carrie's prom is. And they're like, Carrie, if you're listening, we're here. If we're ready for you to, I don't know, what do you say? We channel us or something? Or she said. And and then I'd love that it was like the very end, there was an inversion of Carrie where there's all this fire and everything blowing up behind them, but they're not inside and they're not. I just felt like there was some sort of expansion of Carrie or something like that reference there too. That's all I want to say. I love the Carrie references. <laughs> okay, I want to say one more thing. Yeah. I also I loved the line of the cop when he starts the chant of we are good people. We are good people. And I, I know it was like a little bit heavy-handed maybe, but I loved it. I just thought it was perfect. It was just perfect for exactly what that mob is trying to accomplish. Like we're we're trying to convince everybody around us that we all agree that we're good and so we ostracize all this stuff just so we feel better about like it was just so that and i just i i actually thought that was a place where being heavy-handed was incredibly effective i i loved it in group out group dynamics right except i will add a similar point i think to what you made earlier of i took that as them also trying to convince themselves oh yeah oh yeah absolutely absolutely yeah in the face of everybody's stuff suddenly being visible and now oh no 
we're just going to have to face who we actually are, which is a sad, horrible thing that society is, that both society is set up in that way. And that that's just like, people do that, that we, we won't just accept ourselves and other people. And we're going to blame the messengers instead of, and when we blame the messengers, we're still okay. We're good people. It's their fault for exactly telling what we were doing. Right. When everybody is doing it, maybe you should all just look around and say, wait a second. Like they said, the rules are too strict. Change the rules. Don't. Well, that was great. Again, I thank you for motivating. I, I, I just, I so happy to see. It was just a perfect. It was just a perfect movie for at like at a time when I just needed it. It was really great. Thank you for pushing on it also because uh, we almost didn't find time to see it and it was, it was wonderful. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this is the last showing in Denver is tonight. I'm so glad we did. Like you said, I'm so glad we just contributed to getting a couple more ticket sales because it was great. Yeah. Anything we can do to support those kinds of films. All right. If you listen, if you made it this far, you've been listening to the Collective Nightmares podcast. I am Marshall. I'm Laura. We both have PhDs in sociology from the University of Colorado Boulder, and we try to bring a sociologically informed perspective to horror movies. And if you have thoughts about what you've heard, please reach out to us on Instagram at Collective Nightmares, on Twitter at Collect Night, N-I-G-H-T. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to the podcast. And if you really feel compelled to help us pay for equipment and cost of movies and all those sorts of things. We have uh, a, a PayPal, paypal.me slash collective nightmares. If you do that, we'll send you stickers. That's true. If you subscribe and show us on social media, we'll also send you stickers or you can join us on our Patreon page where there's exclusive episodes and content up there. And more of that is coming and coming soon. It is October, and so we are going to be doing lots this month and then working on releasing it and getting it out to anybody who's listening as soon as possible. Okay. Horror films are our collective nightmares. Interesting for how bad it is. Do you want to smell it? So no. bad. Can you smell it from there? <laughs> it's so bad. Oh. Is it low main flavored? I should have some. Do you want, it's like seriously, it's the worst gum you've ever had. You don't believe gum can be this bad. Do you want to try it? No. Isn't no, that, especially when I feel like that's an interesting cleansing option. It's just an interesting life experience. <laughs> it's like watching Cannibal Holocaust. You do it just because you're curious. It is the worst gum you've ever had. It's not a comparison. Cannibal Holocaust is a fantastic <laughs> film. Sort of. <laughs> no, not sort of. <laughs> not sort of. By all measures, there's all sorts of redeeming, valuable contributions that it makes. <laughs>
I guess a couple of other podcasts I listen to, they do it all. They do all that stuff at the end. Okay, that sounds. Yeah, I like that better. I like the idea of jumping into it quicker and okay. forgetting our intro and whatever. He cares. Yeah, I don't know. I, just... I mean, I think we'll still say our name. Yeah, the other thing is, fine. I think when we start when we say our names, we should start saying first name last name. <laughs> this is gonna be another emotional that. crisis. <laughs> yeah, exactly. what, do you, what did you call uh, not ideological, um, <laughs> existential? <laughs> no, can I can I can I prepare for that next time? That really is what we're doing. I mean, it's all like all on the website. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not ready today. Okay, <laughs> next time. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, can I give you a hard time about not being willing to say your last name? If you want to. <laughs> Is it? Go, it's going because yeah. it's red? Okay. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> all right. We get pumped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nope. Why can't I snap now? <laughs> Yeah, that was a good crisp. That actually helped a lot in the night shifter. All right. <laughs> the snap? No, when I edited the night. Yeah, the snap. When Why? I did the. Because it is this spike. Oh. So then you get a line, which cool. is also why you do that with a clapper. Oh, I didn't know that. And so you can sync video and sound. Oh, that totally makes sense. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. People people figured that oh, out already, isn't it? Yeah.